With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do, 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 do. Ha! Okay. Welcome to Cisco Champions Radio. Season 2, Episode 40. How SDN or SD-WAN and NSE are changing the MSP world. Today we have what I'm going to call the Bed Bath & Beyond episode because it's alliterative and I like alliteration. We have Brad, Bill, and Bill. So, um, Cisco Bill, would you like to start off, give us a quick high level, who are you and what do you do? Sure. So, uh, so I'm the, one of the product managers here at Cisco, uh, and I, my focus is on <clears throat> how we have been transforming our enterprise IWAN, uh, SD-WAN-based solution, into a, uh, a solution that can be delivered and managed by uh, service providers globally. So companies like Verizon, who have recently announced their, um, their offer in the SD-WAN space, is actually based on our, uh, our iWAN solution. Awesome. Other Bill, would you like to give a quick high level? Who are you and what do you do? Yeah. I'm Bill Carter. Um, I'm a senior network analyst with uh, Sentinel Technologies. We're a Cisco partner um, in, in the Midwest. and. One of the things we do is we also are a managed service provider. Um, I've been doing this stuff for, I think, about 18 years, and uh, looking forward to where we go now with the uh, SDN and the virtualization of the network. Fantastic. Brad, last but not least. Hi there, everybody. Like it's say? Brad Haynes. I work for a uh, authorized Cisco learning partner. Uh, we're global. I'm from the Canadian office, uh, home of the Blue Jays. Good Blue Jays. Um, I've been in the um, working with Cisco since the AGS and IGS a number of years ago. So uh, very passionate about Cisco product and solutions. Um, Twitter handle is uh, gk underscore brad haynes, and uh, I guess uh, old dog learning new tricks is pretty well my my mantra. Very very cool. Okay, um, Bill Riley, would you like to give us like a high level? What are we talking about today? And then we can have other Bill and Brad just jump in with awesome questions. Or you can ask them questions, too, and we have an interactive session. It'll be fascinating. I, well, I think we can, go, we can probably do a, a little bit of both, but just to kind of set the context. Uh, so what we've been observing for the past you know, 12 to 18 months as our enterprise iWAN solution has really grown in popularity, and, and we've seen that, that next wave of, of organizations looking to adopt this solution. The, a lot of those partners or a lot of those customers have, have had managed services or focused on partnerships with their service providers to deliver a managed WAN, and now that they wanted to adopt an SD-WAN uh, architecture to support their, you know, their desire for the network agility, um, the, uh, the ability to improve bandwidth at the branch office, the pressure right, and the onus has been on the service providers to, to be able to deliver uh, this type of solution. 
So they have reached out to us, right? The service providers have reached out to us in, in order to partner with them to help understand what, first, what SD-WAN is all about and how it can be delivered inside of, you know, their network infrastructure, which is traditionally MPLS-based, uh, but being able to offer now internet uh, as a, an alternative bandwidth mechanism, but more importantly, how to address the, the core components of, of the SD-WAN architecture, which is, um, you know, the application agility, uh, application visibility, and being able to define and, and support application policies within, you know, over, over their WAN. Okay. So, uh, I guess one quick question. I'm fairly entry level with this. So, what is, what is the potential of this? And, and how does Cisco unleash the power of something uh, like a network function virtualization, for example? Sure. So, I mean, the potential is, is it, it really looks at how the, you know, we architect and, and look at our, the core WAN. You know, as you start to virtualize the WAN itself, you know, you create an abstraction layer through, um, you know, overlay technologies such as uh, IVPN or DMVPN, you can actually now layer new services on top of that. What that also means is now into the branch itself, we can start to change how we look at the, the, C, the traditional CPE that was in that branch and now uh, um, extract some of those network functions. So, for example, security, WAN optimization, and routing can all represent various network functions. And when combined in a, you know, at a, at, a, at a branch, in a vBranch type solution, now all of a sudden you have the ability to uh, orchestrate and, and bring up those services, centrally manage uh, not only the security policies but the security platforms and, and give yourself from a management and um, monitoring perspective, right, the orchestration uh, pieces can all be tied together centrally and, and basically help improve the performance of um, you know, of those services uh, and at the V branch, or at the branch itself, excuse me. Okay. The other, I guess the other piece of that too is service providers are also looking at NFE, right, as a way of bringing services virtualized in the, in their service provider cloud, in the POP, for example. Um, and that's more around a VCPE, virtual CPE function, where now, you have network functions, maybe again, WAN optimization or um, you know, intelligent path um, optimization type mechanisms running in the service provider cloud at the pop. That'll give the service provider, right, the economy of scale of, of delivering, you know, offering new services into each branch and managing that through a centralized policy. But it also, if you think about it, it's going to lessen the load of whatever device is in the branch. So now you can actually start to enhance and maybe you know bring together even um, uh, newer services uh, into that V branch. So instead of just focusing on network services, maybe you're, you're mixing network services and application services in the branch, and being able to distribute where those um, network services are running and how they're service chain and how they're connected within your you know within the full path across that WAN. So NFV, right? It, as an umbrella technology has a play both in the branch through vBranch and in the service provider cloud through vCPE and really what our, you know, our SP-WAN and 
uh, SPI WAN solution or SD WAN solution focuses on is building that chaining together and delivering a you know branch to data center solution that can encompass any one of those models for um, you know for delivery. Have we gotten any feedback from the MSP so far in terms of how you know how this has helped them or their customers? What what uh, responses and uptake they've started to see? So this is this is has been a, a I would have to say maybe a little bit of a paradigm shift for the service providers, right? Where it's the enterprises themselves asking for these solutions, right? They're the ones who are coming to their service provider saying, I want to have IWAN or, or they're writing RFPs with that or they're saying they want to have an SD WAN solution. And even some of our competitors in this space are leveraging that that peer pressure, I would say, from the enterprise into the service providers to really, you know, address this desire uh, for this type of solution, being able to support this architecture. So from the enterprise side, like I said, we're, we're seeing the transition from, you know, the bleeding edge and early adopters into more of a mainstream, um, you know, request for this type of technology, for this type of solution. In turn, we're seeing some of the initial service providers uh, like Verizon and a couple of others who are being very aggressive in being able to offer this service and really be first to market um, in, in delivering the service to enterprises and, and you know, absolutely trying to go after um, that, that void right now because a lot of service providers are still even evaluating what SD-WAN means to them and how it fits in their network. And our role has been a lot of um, collaboration and workshops with these, uh, with these service provider partners and, and showing them not only the business model around SD-WAN, but from an infrastructure perspective. How SD-WAN is, is a complementary technology to you know, their existing WAN environment of internet and MPLS and how those technologies are, are not, you know, are, are really uh, the, the key delivery mechanisms for uh, a successful deployment in an enterprise. MPLS is not going away. Yes, there's more competitive pressure. Yes, you know, internet is uh, an option as a, an alternative for bandwidth into the branch, but enterprises still have mission-critical applications that still need QoS and still need guaranteed levels of services. That's not going away. What is going away is enterprises don't want to take their Facebook, Twitter, you know, and even maybe gaming-type applications and run that over MPLS. They want to have a, a, a lower you know, services set of bandwidth that they can direct that traffic intelligently to and get that out to, um, you know, out to the Internet, whether it be through direct Internet access or through their centralized data center Internet model. Yeah, that, that's great, Bill. And I guess a, a question for both Bills, you know, Bill, Bill Carter, Bill Riley. And I, I just wonder with this, this new technology, this new paradigm shift, what do you think the skill sets are required for people that are looking after these networks, whether it's day zero, day one, day two? And, and uh, Mr. Carter, if you want to chime in on, on what you have an idea of, uh, and Bill Riley, I'm interested in, in what you think uh, the ideal um, tech person would be in this environment. Well, I, I would say first, you know, we're, we need that good foundation in the routing skills and the switching skills because we are talking about topologies building on a good solid routed layer three foundation. Um, mm -hmm. And then from there, it get into the management functions, the management stations, and oftentimes that takes some sort of a, a maybe a Linux skill set or, or some basic programming uh, 
Like something right. like a Python, I guess. Yeah, like a Python, I guess, scripting and, and yes, exactly. Um. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you're, you're, Brad, you're touching on a great point, and, and Bill, just to, to kind of build up that staff, right? One of the, the core aspects of SD-WAN is that it is application-focused, right? We're creating application policies that are defining the behavior of the network itself. How, you know, how the network devices are making decisions to route, you know, to send traffic over the premium MPLS or over, you know, the non-premium, uh, say, internet path. So, so that type of, of management, right, the, the, both the orchestration platforms as well as the controller models um, to define those policies becomes key in, in really being able to successfully uh, deliver Right, these types of solutions. So from, again, in the service provider space, we're looking at tools that provide that multi-tenant um, and, and, and an expanded level of flexibility in how these solutions are orchestrated so that you can now work with your enterprise customers as the service provider and have those application discussions. Hey, I, I see you have voice traffic, I see you have video traffic, you have Citrix, and oh wow, you have all of this, you know, um, commodity web traffic, you know, here's an idea of how you can define a policy. And now it's through those controllers leveraging some of the skills that you just highlighted, Bill, to, you know, to work within, you know, building those controllers. But then at the end, it's really about mapping applications to, to those transports or to those QoS mechanisms, which, you know, is, I think all of us in the space are trying to simplify that and understand that we, even after building the network, from an end-user perspective, it should be pretty, you know, there should be a clear workflow on how to define application policies to support that. Okay. Good. So, uh, can I go as far as saying this could be something like an infrastructure-as-a-service model, to some extent, from the, the design part of it, um, you know, with respect to the service providers offering this? I would I would say it, yes, absolutely. I think that's one part of it. Infrastructure as a service plays a role, but also then you know all the hosted application services, um, you know, also plays a significant role. So it, it it actually scales across all of our cloud service models that are out there, from hosted applications in AWS or you know Office 365 or even our own WebEx like we're using here, to you know, hosted services, hosted um, infrastructure, um, and, and even, you know, go as far as, again, the, the virtualization of the transport. Okay. Yes, and I, I think that's something we're starting to see, too, is, is the layering on of, of, you know, we start bringing in and virtualizing the connectivity in the office, branch-to-branch -branch type connectivity, uh, bringing Internet access into the branches directly. Um, and, and then we're finding customers coming in wanting to help with the security side of that, wanting to, to bring in stuff like the, the fire site and at the branches and, and get into the, the IPS side of it and, and securing it, you know, getting security down at the different levels from the different sites. Um, so Bill, what we've, we've talked a lot about here the, the concepts and what this does for us. What about more of the mechanics? How is this put together? How, how is this built out? How does the enterprise deploy this and manage this? Sure. So I guess it, it starts first with, a, you know, a controller orchestration platform, right? This is where you, you really start to define 
um, how your SD-WAN, uh, or, or more specifically in our case, right, how our IWAN solution is going to be uh, deployed. So some of the key areas that, you know, the upfront work that needs to be identified is, you know, what type of transports are you going to use? Right? We do, we see a lot of organizations, as I mentioned earlier, looking at MPLS as one path and Internet as, as another path. Um, do they want to have, you know, are they making a decision to have uh, diverse uh, carriers of this so that they can, you know, create a, a greater level of high availability on their, on their network? Or a lot of, you know, a lot of enterprise customers have agreements in place with their service providers and because that service provider may offer both MPLS and Internet um, uh, in their portfolio, some of them are comfortable with leveraging that, saying I have premium traffic and, and you know, non-premium, premium path and non-premium path. So once you've, you know, the first phase, like I said, is identifying those, uh, the transport pieces. From there, it's about identifying what applications are on your network. And that's really where the CPE or the virtual CPE we started talking about earlier plays a role. Having these devices, you know, the routers sitting both in the branch and in the data centers, for example, our ISR 4Ks, uh, we can run our ABC engine. Uh, so this is our application visibility and control uh, technology, which is based on uh, the DPI engine uh, from our NBAR2 platform or technology. And what that allows us to do now is report from both the branch side as well as the data center side the applications that, were, that are traversing the network. And that information is reported up via NetFlow uh, or IPFIX to, our, you know, to, the, uh, to the management platform to give the customer and the service provider visibility into exactly what applications are running on the network. Once you have your ideas of, of or you've defined your transport, again, premium versus non-premium, and now you have your applications, you can then orchestrate or design your application policies. And those application policies can relate to your QoS strategy, but also to that intelligent path control. My voice, video, and, and say Citrix traffic, I want to route over my MPLS link. And basically all of my internet traffic, I want to make sure it goes over my internet path. And the rest of my applications on there, I'm going to say those are just uh, my everyday default, and I'm going to load balance those across the two when there's bandwidth available. right? So creating that type of concept, this application policy concept, is, is really that third phase. Orchestrating that uh, is, is then automated on the back end of that controller, right? So what we have done at Cisco is we've created uh, these solutions both in the enterprise class with our uh, APIC EM IWAN app, for example, and on the service provider side, based on our, our VMS solution, the ability to define those application policies, and then automatically um, orchestrate those configurations out to the boxes. So we have zero-touch deployment models that will push out the entire configurations and, and based on the application policies that are defined in the controller. Yeah, Bill, you mentioned the, the APEC EM. Now, is that the secret sauce of this whole thing? Like you talked zero-touch yep. and there's automated configuration. So can you kind of dwell on that a little bit? Yeah, let me, Brad, let me just take it up one level from that. It's really, the secret sauce in SD-WAN is the role of the controller and the orchestrator. And as I mentioned, so I mentioned APIC-EM as our enterprise uh, controller, right? So the APIC-EM iWAN app has been specifically designed 
to, to fit within, we'll say, a single IWAN domain, so a single customer, single tenant model of IWAN. We've replicated that into a, a service provider model, which is a multi-tenant version of, of APIC that we call VMS. So these two tools are actually, they are absolutely the secret sauce in making, uh, in making these SD-WANs or, or this IWAN solution, you know, easy to deploy, easy to manage, uh, and, and, you know, easy to scale. The other part that I'm curious in is the whole management of this. Lots of things. So do we use Prime or do we have another tool that you recommend or? So for the for the visibility you're talking about, the application, you know, the reporting and, and analytics, yep. network analytics pieces, absolutely, yeah. Prime plays a plays plays a major role uh, again at that level. So being able to be that NetFlow collector that I was talking about earlier, right, and generate the reports. We also, right, because you know we have Cisco, we have a very broad ecosystem community. So we actually have some very strategic partners in this space. Um, so on the enterprise side, we have a company called Live Action, right? And they have a, a, a very powerful tool that can collect all of our NetFlow statistics and provi provide um, reporting on QoS, PFR, uh, and actually help with you know, some of the policy enforcement around that. On the service provider side, we have another partner called Living Objects. They have a service provider class version of a, a, a similar platform. And by service provider class, I mean it's already multi-tenant. It can scale to, you know, millions of records per second and being able to collect these across the service provider. And they're already deployed at a number of service providers. Um, so they have that scalability and that rich background of being able to support um, the scale that a service provider might be looking at. So again, it, even though, you know, they are two different tools, right, APIC, I am with the uh, IWAN app, the you know Prime or Living, uh, yeah, live action on the enterprise side. The service provider side, the VMS and the living, the live action, sorry, living objects. They have such similar names, right? The living objects tool. It's replicated. So it, from an end user perspective, the actual consumer of the solution, they're getting the same experience. Right? Regardless of the tools that are being built up inside, whether it's their own environment or the service provider environment, they're still getting the full orchestration. They're still getting the zero-touch deployment, and they're still getting all the visibility and the reporting and the, the correlation analytics that they need. Okay. Good. Mr. Carter, anything? Uh... Yeah. I. I would say, um, I mean, where you were at with that is great. Uh, I've looked at the, the Action Pack software. That's, um, that's something that looks really good. Um, they're nice, clean interface and software. Um, I'm still waiting to get my hands on the APIC EM to see how that works. Um, but, but yes, I, definitely the, the management piece of this is something that's so critical and be able to automate the deployments and automate the management. And, and the visibility, I mean, it is a, um, it's actually what enterprises are looking for. So one of the scenarios that, uh, that I often have discussions around with, you know, with our partners as they're looking at this is, you know, say you're, you're able to walk into your customer and you've been managing their service and you're selling them, you know, MPLS bandwidth and now you're selling them internet bandwidth, but 
what if tomorrow you could walk in and say, hey, you know what, I've been looking at the reports of your applications and I see your web traffic is growing out of your branch. And at this rate, you know, you're actually going to exceed the bandwidth on your internet path, um, you know, in probably in the next three to six months. Maybe what we can do is help you to grow that and, and, and you know, drive some business opportunity. Just in a conversation like that, you've actually shown them analytical data that, that is, you know, very specific to their environment that's driving their, you know, uh, their need to increase bandwidth, as opposed to just walking in and saying, wow, you're rolling out a new application, let's upgrade the bandwidth to it, right? Customers are like, well, why? I'm not sure what's the impact. Now with these tools, and that's really one of the key features of SD-WAN, having that application visibility and being able to correlate that back to, you know, the, 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 the expense that goes with bandwidth, um, is, a, is a very powerful conversation and really creates kind of a new level of partnership with your, you know, with the customers. And, and on that, from a design architect point of view, um, back in the olden days when I was working with the IGSs and AGSs is, 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 is that asynchronous dial was basically our wide area unless we went with a specific carrier. But this, this technology allows people to use the Internet almost a, as their WAN environment if they needed to. So yeah. basically, you could get your Cisco product for free on the savings that you're getting on your internet. So, the uh, marketing thing there, uh, Lawrence. You said that, not me. <laughs> so, so that's what I see that has changed over the, the areas. And we talked about um, the, the different skill sets that are that are needed. And I guess the the path uh, that we're looking at, um, as far as you know, some of the skill sets that uh, we're looking at, as far as needing to configure that. Um, Bill Carter mentioned that we still need the the good technical engineers that know about routing and pathing and that type of thing uh, to be able to do a good design in, in that. Uh, as far as the uh, validated designs, is this something we would find in those documents? Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Our, um, one of the things, and this has been our our model since we first introduced IWAN, you know, even even prior to the concept of SD WAN emerging is that this, these solutions are very prescriptive, right? So it is, it's something that can be deployed in multiple types of environments. Again, remember I mentioned that we are creating that kind of virtualization of the transport. So we're layering this uh, solution on top of, you know, the, the underlying, underlying uh, network mechanisms, whether it be MPLS, Internet, even 3G, 4G. Uh, LTE is an option as, as WAN transport. So, and the skill set around this, right, even though it is a prescriptive design and we do have a CVD out there, there are still, right, being able to troubleshoot it, being able to, to deep dive beyond what the application uh, reporting tools are showing you. Sure, we've built some intelligence into the network with PFR to address network anomalies that may happen, but networks are still networks. We still need to understand routing. We still need to understand um, you know, IPsec and security technologies. We, organizations still need to understand why they want to protect their border, right, their, their network border um, at, when they introduce the Internet as a WAN transport mechanism. It's still connected to the Internet. You don't want to have something wide open that, um, you know, in, invites people to an access point in your network. So security at that perimeter becomes very key, even when you're not doing direct Internet access from the branch. Carter? Um, 
what have you seen? What something that you says surprised you? Something neat? Something different you've seen a customer do or a, a partner do? Good in this question. Stories from the field. <laughs> uh, what have I seen that surprised me? Um, I, I'll say this. I, I remember the very first, one of the very first times I was talking to a customer, an enterprise customer, about IWAN. You know, we discussed the very, you know, the three network deployment models that were out there. You know, if a customer wanted to have a dual MPLS environment, so they have guaranteed bandwidth everywhere. If they wanted to have the hybrid of, of MPLS and internet, and you know, the third model was a dual internet. You know, we'll take MPLS out altogether. And I was. You know, as we prepped for this call, it was going to be our very first time presenting it. We were pretty confident that the customer was going to want to go with that middle hybrid model because that's a kind of a mix of both kind of being on that bleeding edge of this new technology, but still a little conservative. You have MPLS to fall back on. And within like two minutes of the conversation, the customer was like, I just want to go pure internet. I'm like, I was speechless. I didn't know what to say next. I had presented everything ready to talk about hybrid. But it was... What I learned from that is that, you know, customers are, they, they are looking at their WAN in a new way. They want to have the ability to match application value to transport value. And if they're just simply routing, you know, um, internet traffic, you know, allowing their customers or uh, guest internet access, and that's really their main business. It was a retail shop, and their, you know, their point of sale traffic was very minimal. And these paths were predominantly for guest internet access. There's, you know, a, some, a solution like that gives them that, that satisfaction. I am now matching my perceived application value to the cost of my transport. Now, the majority of organizations, the majority of, of customers we deal with and, and speak with on this behalf are looking at that hybrid model. They actually fall in that middle tier of I want MPLS and I want active bandwidth because I want to increase the amount of, uh, of bandwidth at my branch, but at the same token, I don't have, you know, pure, you know, so many mission-critical apps that I need MPLS everywhere. So they're looking for that option and that flexibility. But yeah, that very first call, I was, I, I was actually at a loss of words for a couple minutes there. Good. Yeah, it, you know, I've seen that too. I'm, I am impressed with uh, uh, customers' willingness to go with internet as transport. And I guess bandwidth costs on the internet have gotten so low when you compare it to MPLS type connections. Well, yeah, that was. I guess that was another thing that not surprised me, but you know, was something that I recognized early on when we started talking about internet. So Stanford University does a study every year, and they look at the reliability of packet delivery across the internet. And, and that value has been slowly been creeping up, right? So it's now in the 97.5, 90, you know, almost 98% packet delivery reliability. So I actually remember back in <laughs> when I started networking, uh, when we still had ISDN and frame relay, when I had a frame relay circuit that was 97, 98% reliable, that, I was rock solid. I was like, yeah, we are set, right? So now the internet has caught up with that. Um, so I, I think again, the internet has matured and now can be seriously considered as a, a WAN transport alternative, you know, to just MPLS. Um, but, but again, it's about, you know, what your applications need. Do we recommend having people run, you know, all of their voice, all of the video, all of their mission critical apps over the internet? 
that's a choice that they have to make. But in the majority of the time, it's, it's still that hybrid of MPLS and, and Internet. What apps do you see most often getting mitigated or others that, have, that people let through that have actually kind of surprised you? Um, what apps? Oh, are they creating policies for it, do you mean? Yeah. Um, hmm. Well, ga actually, gaming apps. Uh, there was a couple of companies here in the Bay Area that that do actually allow their employees to play video games on the network. So they wanted to create an application policy specific for video games. Uh, they wanted to make sure they allowed it. They wanted to allow it over their internet pipe. But they also wanted the policy to say that if the internet pipe became congested, that they drop the traffic, that it doesn't somehow leak onto their MPLS. So that was actually one of the more unique application policies that I've seen someone create specifically for. Usually gaming is into the default um, you no know, category. Yeah, scavenger category. Yeah, uh, so offline you can tell me which of these these people are customers and I can go work for them, right? I already, I already have my resume <laughs> over there. Okay. Sorry, guys. You go ahead and ask more questions. Yeah. But another uh, question that came on, uh, I think it was Jody who was asking about the, the APIC EM, the availability. Um, and, and how is that connected with the DevNet community? So how would someone get the, the EM? Is, is it available now? Uh, and, and how would they you know, acquire that and deploy it. Um, so I guess the overall question is APEC EM, uh, from what I understand, you, you download it, uh, no additional cost uh, through the DevNet community? Yeah, so, so we are we are on the, the verge of the, the general release uh, of so, APEC and the iWAN app. Yeah, uh, but we still we can't, can't discuss any. roadmap, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So it's in, it's in a controlled release model right now. So like you said, you, you've seen it on DevNet. It is a very controlled release for the iWAN app. Okay. Um, but yeah, we are on the verge of, of the general availability of that platform, probably within the next couple of weeks. Okay, Jody, hope that answers your, your question for you. Okay. Yeah, that actually does. I was just looking for some information on whether we could grab it, get it, play with it now, or whether we had to wait for a bit. Yeah, I think, it, like I said, it's on controlled release in DevNet. Um, but uh, but the general availability, we we are we are looking at GA candidate builds right now. Um, we've gone through I want to say three or four controlled release cycles with this, uh, and and the platform has become it's actually very impressive. We they've made a lot of tweaks. The UI and workflow that are in there um, is something that we are looking to potentially replicate into some other tools that are IWAN related. Perfect. Looking forward to it. And I think I saw another question that came. There was a question from someone about uh, why the customer just wanted Internet transport. Oh, was it from oh, just so, simplicity or? No. That, oh, yeah. So the customer I was referring to earlier, they were they were a retail company. Um, so again, they were they were ex at the extreme end of of cost consciousness. And, and really the only applications that they were sending over their WAN was guest, uh, guest internet traffic. Uh, so they you know, allowed guest Wi-Fi in each one of their retail stores. And instead of breaking that internet out at every single branch, they were backhauling it to their central data center and then doing the internet access from there. So they were, pay, you know, they were basically routing the internet over uh, MPLS links. So 
in order to, you know, again, match that, their perceived application value, they could move towards an internet transport and, and still keep their security model in place of a centralized, um, centralized security, which is, was important because even with guest internet access, you still want to be able to protect those people from, um, you know, malicious web traffic and, just, you know, you don't want people's devices to get infected on your network. So the security policy that they had in place, um, a lot, you know, really helped them in deciding that they could leverage a internet WAN transport to carry their guest internet traffic. And I think the other question is, am I on Twitter? So yes, I am on Twitter, um, and it's at Riley Bill. I did try to grab Bill Riley, but of course, Mr. Bill O'Reilly uh, has, I think he has a monopoly on all those names. So I am at Riley Bill. Okay. And just for uh, reference uh, information, I, I see this on uh, the, the slash go, the Cisco slash go as SD-WAN. A lot of good information there for that if you want to drill down and get some more uh, documentation on this. Yeah, I think it's... One of the things that I enjoy most is I, this is a very exciting space to be in, right? There's a lot of innovation going on. Um, we're seeing a, a lot of our competitors are, are new competitors, right? There's a lot of VC funding going into some of the small startups in this space. And, and that's what keeps my job in particular very, very interesting, right? Because not only am I looking at our traditional competitors in this space, but now we have these upstarts of all these great ideas and, and other ways to, uh, to deliver these solutions, which is really pushing us, uh, Cisco, to, you know, to be as innovative and, and try to deliver some best-of-breed uh, solutions on top of that. Hence the orchestration and controller I was talking about earlier. Um, these are something that really different, you know, that we've been able to build and scale uh, based on our knowledge and experience, both in the enterprise space as well as in the service provider world. I don't see anything else. Uh, there's other questions. Uh, key them in, or else uh, just chime chime on, and, and uh, we'll get that question out. Um, Mr. Carter, I don't know if you've got anything else you want to add to this. No, I don't. I, this has been very good. Um, appreciate Bill's time. So I did have a question for you guys. Go ahead. So what? So. What areas of SD-WAN, right, uh, or let's, we'll say SDN in general, um, have, have you been seeing mo most predominantly with your partners and customers? Uh, I, I can speak to the learning side. I work for a Cisco Learning Partner. Mm -hmm. uh, what I've seen is a, a huge growth in, in interest in the Nexus 9K. Um, getting a little bit more on the SDN side as far as the courses. I can tell you that some of these courses, we have them booked for two to three months in advance uh, for people that are taking uh, this learning environment. So I, I can see that there's some really good legs to it. Uh, the one thing as a, a learning partner is, is keeping up to the wave. Uh, we're on the crest of the wave, and it seems that uh, the technology is moving out faster than what we can move out the training. Uh, so. Uh, that's the only downside is making sure that we're making, you know, getting the right, uh, most up-to-date information out to everybody. So I, I get the act, the, um, I get it through the learning side of it. 
yeah. and the training so that I can train the people like the you know the the bills and and then you know the the dentists and the Jodies for mm -hmm. them actually actively using them. Yeah, and a nine and a nine K with our you know our API framework, right? Is uh is is exactly SDN has emerged from the data center, and that's we're taking a lot of lessons learned there and and looking to bring that to to the WAN. So again, that's part of where IWAN and and our SD WAN strategy has emerged from. So there's a lot of correlation there. A lot of I think learning pieces that will transfer from the data center to to the WAN from that perspective. And I guess the other thing is uh, is getting more involved in DevNet and, and GitHub, uh, some of those kind of offshoots there that are, are not what I would call traditional route switch environments that I would have been used to. Mm -hmm. um, from a from a perspective of managed service provider, internet service provider, cloud provider, whatever you kind of want to call us, we cover a lot of bases. Um, we see it as a big driving push anymore from a multiple factors. We have lots of clients looking for it as a way to, in all honesty, bond multiple low-end circuits to get more bandwidth in off-site locations. We're seeing it as a cheap offload to a backup answer. Uh, we even see clients trying to find ways to give up our MPLS product because they feel that there's enough bandwidth available to not need the QoS the way they used to. So we have lots and lots of clients slowly but surely building out requests for us and through our sales and consulting channels looking for answers in this model, whether it be through Cisco and IWAN, Epic EM. Uh, we've had conversations where clients push into Laria, multiple different ways to define WAN connectivity, bundling multiple circuits and providing multiple paths with intelligent path choices. It's becoming huge for us. Um, anybody else on the, the line that's got hands-on experience with this? Well, on that note, unless I hear anyone screaming out in the next 10 seconds, and I realize there's probably a lot of background noise, I want to thank our Bed Bath & Beyond, uh, Bill, Bill, and Brad, for being awesome. Um, and Rachel, I think we can uh, stop recording the episode. Thanks, everyone. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.